I'm Catherine Zox, your social worker with a microphone, and you're listening to The Catherine Zox Show. Joining me today is Betsy Coffeen. She is the author of Kate and the Garden Bandits. Kate, a curious and compassionate butterfly, is jostled out of a daydream and finds herself face-to-face with a fuzzy stranger who buzzes away from the two uh, before the two have a chance to talk, to chat. When Kate notices that the flower petals are missing from her garden, she begins to wonder if the bumblebee is stealing the petals. She soon finds out that this mysterious and somewhat frightening bumblebee is not a thief at all, but rather a kind-hearted creature who needs the petals to feed his family. She learns that the flower hopping bandit pollinates the plants to help them grow stronger and more beautiful highlighting for young children how our world and everything in it is interconnected betsy coffeen holds a master's degree in psychology from asu i think that's arizona state university and was honored with the child help helping hand award for her decades of dedication to philanthropy kate and the garden bandits um Welcome to the show, Kate. I'm calling you Kate, Betsy. Um, <laughs> That's okay. Nice to have you on. Me. Yeah, great to have you on today. Okay, we have a lot to talk about. Uh, children's book. This is the second children's book that you've written? Yes. My first one was uh, Kate's Magic Garden, and that was published in 2017. And I that was a book I co-authored with Samantha Smith. And now you're on to your second book, and I, and I think this is it, it, the the issues that you cover and the themes in this book are really, really critical to everything that's happening today, not only with our children, but with the adults. And it really resonates, I guess, in the context of all the not so good stuff that's happening. So you say, in, in, and I'm quoting you, that um, if we teach young children how our world and everything in it is interconnected, along with this concept of empathy, it will help create a kinder future world. So how, how do you accomplish that in this book? And by the way, I listened to the book. I didn't read it. I always like to listen. I'm into Audible. So um, yeah, it's a beautiful book. Uh, we're talking about a book for kids in elementary school, right? Uh, um, yes. Yeah. Okay. K through second grade. Yeah, K through. You know, but it's a theme that is, like you said, it is so relevant in our in our ever growing global world. And I think if we can, you know, the I wanted to show and try to try to teach the the children about just having a truly non judgmental, empathetic attitude towards others, and that you know, even down to the tiniest being you know, is still critical, you know, for our, for our world, you know, it's just bees are one out of every four bites of our food comes from bees. (laughs) And even, you know, I thought the metaphor of the, you know, bumblebee coming into Kate's garden, um, ultimately she finds out that the bee was coming into her garden to get the flower petals for the queen bee to get nectar for her baby bumblebees, which are imperative for not only um, the bees, but for our food in our world. So um, even something as annoying or, or as quote, scary as like bumblebees might be, they're, they're imperative to the health of our global society. Yeah. Um, well, and I think, you know, that can be related 
you know, to adults too, and how we just, I think our world would be a better kind of place if we could practice the um, empathy towards everything. Yeah. Well, that the theme of interconnectedness, which is what this is about, obviously, uh, mm-hmm. you know, this, the, initially the uh, butterfly or she's afraid of the thinks the bee mm-hmm. is stealing her food, but then finds out that the food stealing her petals and finds out that, oh, this is feeding her children. And then when they get healthy, they can come back and pollinate the plants and they'll grow stronger and more beautiful. When you read this story to kids, like what kinds of questions do they ask you? Um, I'm you know, sure, they're, yeah. they're really, the book just came out in August. Um, they're very, they're very cute. They, they, you know, they're like, oh, you know, what's the, they don't really ask a lot of questions to tell you the truth. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So they listen to the story and let's say they're not asking questions. I'm just thinking about reading to a six-year-old or a five-year-old. What can parents do to help them maybe get in touch more with the themes that we've been talking about in the book? Like, what kind of questions can parents ask them, um, their kids, after they read them the story? Kind of change it, turn it around, do a 180, what what kinds um, of things? Yeah. You know, what I usually do after reading is random acts of kindness and, you know, what we can do to, um, you know, if someone looks maybe different or they might not want to talk to someone, um, just different things that they can, um, to, to, I guess the ultimate, um, goal is to teach kids not to judge others and, um, ask them questions that they might be interested, you know, and relate to that. Like, don't judge. Yes. Like, First, assume because the bumblebee <clears throat> is coming and taking away the petals that is a bandit or a bad person. Not necessarily. You have to dig deeper. What you know than just what you see on the surface, I guess, is um, which is a good lesson for kids to learn, right? Um, right. You know, I think, and this is, I don't know, this is a question. You think about these kids in the context of what's happening in the world today, Um how they can relate this story to that because they see all kinds of her and hear about all kinds of horrific things, what people do to each other, whether it's in the middle East or in Congress or people killing each other or, you know, uh, all of these themes are all of this, the reality, I guess, of, of, of how they're growing up, how that connects to a story like this. Um, and you know, how grownups can explain yeah. You yeah. know, um, the National Institute of Health, you know, declares that there's a mental health crisis going on with um, predominantly um, adolescents, especially the the female adolescents after the pandemic, social media. And I think that, you know, another um, really important thing that we can bring into the classroom is um, this concept of non-judgment and mindfulness um, and just getting kids to, you know, take time during the day to check in with themselves. You know, we, we do so much to teach critical thinking skills 
in the classroom, but we, we don't do enough to, you know, address mental health and for the children to learn to befriend their minds. And I think that if we could um, incorporate some type of mindfulness curriculum into the classroom um, every day, I think it could have profound effects on the health of society. Well, I, I know um, you're very involved, not just as an author, obviously, in writing these kinds of books or this book, um, and you've sat on many boards and you do fundraising for, and I want to talk about that later, but for, for children who have been abused, um, what, when you, I'm assuming you mentioned these kinds of things like the curriculum in school, but, but is there pushback for that? Are we doing that? Actually, we're banning books, <laughs> you know, um, I know, I know. And that's just crazy. Um, no, you know, I think that. Um, it could be a, it, the mindfulness curriculum is what I wrote actually in my, um, the master's program. I did propose like a hypothetical eight week curriculum where, um, you know, you would bring in this practice and I think it could, you know, go all the way down to elementary school age children. And, um, and, you know, it has been proven, you know, the research has shown its benefits over and over again about reduction in stress and anxiety. You know, they find that participants have less emotional reactivity, increased cognitive ability, decreased depressive um, symptoms, improved physical health, and and increased self-awareness. And I just think that, you know, if we could get the younger generation to become more self-aware and more, you know, less judgmental, you know, it could have a ripple effect um, and create a kinder, more um, empathetic world. Yeah. When you talk about less judgmental, I like to talk about that. Does that kind of morph into bullying and, and those kinds of behaviors and, and abuse and, and, and that kind of stuff? If you're judging other people because they don't look like you or don't agree with you or, uh, they seem different than you, um, that, you know, having this kind of mindfulness awareness of where we're coming from will help mitigate that, those kinds of behaviors. 100%. Yeah. Bullying is a big problem. And, you know, I think also the, the bullying that goes up on, you know, on social media because they're behind a screen that, um, you know, it's, it's something that needs to be addressed, I think. And, and it is, I know a lot of schools are, um, you know, there's different things that they're doing to try to deter it, but it's, you know, it is a huge problem. You know, I think you, what you just said is probably key to the whole thing. You're hiding behind a screen. There's no repercussions necessarily for what you're saying or what you're doing, or there's no, uh, you know, don't have to take the same kind of a responsibility for your behavior. Um, exactly. I always wonder, you said the schools are trying to do, what are they trying to do? Are they, I mean, or how do you do, how can you uh, make it that, because social media has some really good stuff too, obviously. There's some really practical yes, good things. Absolutely. Yeah. I think it can have, yes. And I think it is, It you know, I do see, you know, my children are older now, um, but 
Um, and, you know, after COVID, you know, there's just been so much change in the school system and the way they're running it. So it's my hope that eventually there will be some type of curriculum that will address, you know, teaching kids to check in with their thoughts and teaching kids to just take a breath and, you know, become less judgmental of their themselves as well. And I think it's just, you know, if they can learn to love themselves, they can learn to love others too. And I think, you know, my, my whole aim in writing these books is to inspire empathy, you know, change, change people's lives, you know, not, you know, not make money. Yeah. And I think you what could, if you made money and, and you could do both? Yeah, right. I mean, <laughs> that'd be okay. You know, um, I just think that, yeah, even if this helps just one child, you know, it, it, uh, it will be worth the effort. You know, it's, it's tragically, there's been suicides and, um, there's been, just been so much the last couple of years that, you know, I think this is just like, just as important as formal education. You mentioned Um, that before COVID and after COVID, the educational system has made changes, what are some of those changes? Well, I mean, you know, your book is about for elementary school kids, like say on the elementary school level before COVID, after COVID, what are the differences? You know, I honestly, I am not in the classroom to, to be honest with you. I do not, I cannot answer that question. I really okay. do not know. I'm just speaking to the, um, the research um, that I did when I um, just recently completed my master's program Um so I, I don't know. It's my hope. Um, you know, one of my goals is to develop a curriculum that I think should be rolled out and um, implemented in the classrooms, just like you would teach math or English. But I can't really speak to that because I do not know. Okay. Well, I know what you can speak to because you are honored with the Child Help, I think I mentioned this earlier in the interview, Helping Hand Award for your decades of dedication to philanthropy. So tell us about that. I mean, that's a big time award for her. You know, when I had my first daughter, Grace, um, I remember I was sitting on the, I was holding her on the couch and this horrific child abuse case came across the news. And it was, it was Child Help was the, the large, the non-for-profit handling it. And I thought, oh my gosh, you know, how could I, I had to become involved. So, you know, that's where it all started. And my oldest daughter is now 22 years old. So I started volunteering. Um, and then about five years into it, Carol Hebbett started a um, grassroots child help wings, which um, is under the umbrella of child help you know, with the same mission of um, serving children of abuse and neglect. But the Child Hub Wings was um, also bringing in your your children to work along with you to also inspire the love for giving back at a young age. So I've been doing it with my kids um, for the last 20 years. And it's hands-on service projects. It's fundraising. um you know, we go every year, the Child Hub has um, a Child Hub village in Beaumont, California, where some of the worst cases of abuse, these children go to this treatment center and they have 
um, you know, one-on-one counselors. They have um, their schooling there. It's just a beautiful, beautiful place for these children. And um, every Christmas they hold a pageant and these children put on this incredible Christmas show. And I always take my kids. It's one of their favorite things to do over the holidays. And I'm, I'm so glad I did that with my children because it really opened up their eyes. I think it made them kinder, more empathetic, you know, children because of seeing and, you know, working alongside me. Um, that seems to me is critical what you're talking about having your own kids participate in all these, like what you're talking about, you know, and helping other kids. And I mean, that promotes empathy because I think sometimes um, that we talk about it a lot and we tell our children uh, and we uh, to, you know, what the, the good stuff and what they should be doing, but we don't actually engage them in the process, which is what you've done with your three kids. They can feel it then. It's not just mom or dad or whoever's taking care of them, telling them, that they need to be empathetic, they need to be connected, they need to be inclusive, but they're actually doing mm-hmm. it. And uh, I, that, uh, so let's take your three children because they were the beta test for you. <laughs> like each one, of, your oldest daughter now is 22 and I don't know how old the other mm-hmm. two are, but so are, so what are they doing as uh, what the others are, teen- the other two are teenagers? Uh, yeah, my oldest daughter is now a senior at ASU. She's studying psychology. Um, but it did have a big impact on her in high school. She was, um, a peer advisor to all the children uh, with autism and she was selected by the counselor at Chaparral to do that. And, um, she would sit and have lunch with these kids. Um, and I just, you know, I know that takes a special individual in high school, you know, you know how high school can be. Yep. So, I mean, my daughter, you know, she really, she really did learn that the value of empathy and, and, and I don't, none of my children are, you know, judgmental. I've always really drilled that in, you know, you can, I don't care, you know, all I want you to do is be kind, <laughs> <laughs> be kind. And if I've done that, then I've done my job. And you've done your job. What about this? I'm going to ask you, uh, your children are kind, they're empathetic, they're doing good stuff. And what, how do they react when someone is not good to them, who's maybe mean or nasty or doesn't have good intentions? What kind of a reaction? How do you handle it? Um, you know, a- they're older. I, they mainly, um, I have to say they just don't really react and they, um, you know, they're always, nice back to them. I guess I should say I teach them, you know, even if someone's unkind to you, you don't have to go to that level of unkindness. And, and lots, you know, and most of the time, what do they say? The bullies are the ones being bullied at home or who knows what's going on in their life. So they're the ones that really need the most love. So just kill them with kindness. Yeah, that's a good response. And don't engage back in that behavior. And I think that works well with adults too, you know, um, I'm working on another book about homeless and mental illness. And I tell my kids when we are driving by, you know, you really shouldn't judge these people on the street. You know, you, lots of times we'll have friends in the car, like, well, they could just, you know, go get a job. Why aren't they working? But that's not really the case. You know, let's really try to put ourselves in their shoes and, and who knows what happened in their life that led them to where they are, um, 
you know, they need to have a bath and they're asking for food. I mean, no one would want to be in that situation. So you have to take time. You know, I, I always go back to that song of the, I guess it was in the 60s, T, you have to teach your children well. And uh takes yes. a lot of it. Yeah. Uh, and um, sometimes Not parents don't. Given the yeah. same fair shot in life, who knows? Who knows what have, could have happened to that? That person was a child at some point. Maybe their parents were both in jail. Maybe their parents were drug addicts. We don't know if, you know. Well, and, isn't that what the book is about? The, 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 the butterfly digging a little bit deeper than seeing this bumblebee stealing her petals, but taking time right. to see where she's really coming from. And, and that's what we have to do. Uh, I have yeah. a question. And I saw this online. I'm, I'm not sure. Did you get an award or did the book, your book, at Wild Filmmaker Awards in Chicago? You're- um, my, you know, strangely, my book has um, won some award, um, a lot of film awards. And um, currently there is a, um, a musical screenwriter who wants to write, who is writing a musical play based off my book. And that's in the works, and we're hoping to get the, you know, I I can't speak too much about it, but, you know, hopefully that will be out in the world. Now, we described you, and we haven't actually focused on this too much, but you have been, you're an author, a mom, a lifelong learner, is that how you describe yourself, but a philanthropist. Tell us about the philanthropy. What does that involve? The philanthropy is, you know, that I, quite frankly, I probably should have put volunteer. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I think I did have that. Um, Philanthropy was just addressing um, my work that I've done the last 20 years. That's been my, you know, my outside quote job um, at Child Help. So just you know, all the various volunteer roles that I've done. I've chaired, you know, the fashion show and I've been a big um, part of the fashion show and the auction for the last, you know, five, 10 years. So I, that I was speaking to that. And I also, you know, I think it's really important to, to give, you know, if you, what is that saying? If you learn, teach, if you get, give, and that's another, you know, none of, I, I really don't feel like we should hold on to our things tightly. I think that, um, you know, people over things is another really important value. That's actually a, uh, a Buddhist concept, you know, don't get too attached to your things. Right. And, uh, it is. Yeah, Yeah. it's true. So yeah. And and not a bad one. I think it's really a good, you know, don't get, I think, you know, and that's another thing about religion. I mean, I was brought up Christian. I'm a Methodist, but um, I have an open mind to all religion and I feel like, you know, if you are truly a religious person or a spiritual person, you know, it's, what is that's the ultimate question of life. Right. And I think we need to be open to all views. I mean, look at what's going on right now, you know, with, um, Hamas and Israel. I mean, yeah. I think we need to not, we need to, every human being counts and is equal in value. So, you can't say one religion or one spiritual practice is better than the other. I think we need to embrace 
um, and respect all of our differences because that's what makes the world go round. You know, we don't want to, our differences is what makes the world work, right? Yeah. Well, our differences is what makes the world exciting and interesting exactly. and all of those right. kinds of things. I always think, I mean, do I want a world that everybody's like me? I don't think so. <laughs> I mean, no, how boring absolutely. could that be, right? Yeah. You want to have not. Yeah. But I think you just mentioned the word we've talked about empathy, which is uh, critical, but respect. And and I think yeah. that that, yeah, respect. And, and that's something that, as you say, in your book and um, whatever the kind of work we do, but teaching children respect. Because we talk about a lot about love, but, you, you know, love is love is easier in a way. Respect is a little bit different. I think it, it it's more complicated. Um, mm-hmm. and teaching children respect is different than teaching them. I don't want to say just love, yeah. but teaching them love. Yeah. I agree to respect, you know, their fellow human, to respect humanity. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We only have a couple minutes and left. And I think that could go a long way because, you know, just it's what, you know, my, the first book, um, Kate's Magic Garden was, you know, the power of our words and choose them carefully that words do change world, world. <laughs> you know, yeah. they, they've started, you know, how many you know wars have been started from, from words. Right. So yeah. I think they are powerful and respect is a very important thing. I agree with you on hundred percent. Well, you're doing your work and your job and, and I've been talking to Betsy Coffeen and her, the title of her book is Kate and the Garden Bandits. And you can listen to it. You can also read it. Uh, we only have a a couple minutes left. So give, besides, uh, reading the book and listening to the book, where can, is there other website or websites we can go to for more information about the work that you're doing? Yeah. Yes. It's at storymonsters.com. And you can also find the book on my website, www.betsycoffeen.com or, um, Amazon, Barnes and Noble, and um, other uh, other bookstores across the country, but those are the main ones. Those are the main ones. Great. Thanks so much for being on the show today. I really appreciate it. Oh, thank lots of you. good information. It was a yes, good conversation. Thank you. Thank you. Bye bye. I'm Catherine Zox, your social worker with a microphone, and you've been listening to the Catherine Zox Show. Mm-hmm.